Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta over here at uh, Sharp Football Analysis, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA. Guys, how you doing? It's July 1st. I don't know if anyone noticed that. We're recording that. Uh, we are really uh, about a couple weeks away from this thing really snowballing downhill, and it's really going to be NFL season. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I haven't been on in a while. And I was just telling these guys, like, uh, this is about the time where I uh, – I slow down my uh, my football consumption for a few weeks to give myself a break in advance of the training camp. But uh, uh, good to be back on, and I know we've got some good off season discussion, especially with some of these uh, future bets. And you know, I know some people are starting to you know look closely at that, and uh, people are starting to get back to Vegas too. So you know, you can make bets in person uh, as well. But uh, I'm looking forward to a discussion to see where everybody's head, everyone's heads at. Uh, when it comes to some of these teams and these uh, individual awards. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've done this. We did, I think, one in the time since the draft, and it's been so long, I don't know if you noticed, I completely forgot what I usually say during the intro. So uh, that's where we are with uh, with off-season minds right now. We've been, uh, oh, we said this the last time we were on, deep into uh, Sharp Football Book, uh, which you can pre-order now. It will be out uh, shortly while you're uh, listening to this. So that is... Uh, coming very soon uh so if you go to the site you can uh pre-order the sharp uh football 2021 preview book um the three of us all have stuff in there of course warren has all of his uh you know huge team chapters all of the graphics and things that you have known uh from this book uh, it's expanding every year so if you are looking for that uh it is available available for pre-order now and you can uh look for it to be released uh, very shortly so today on the show we like ta said we're going to uh, go into some future things uh but not so much just looking at you know what's going to happen but we're, we're going to take a little look take some like kind of you know long shots and and things that we we could see potentially happen um so our first thing that we're going to look at we're going to pick a team with a win total seven and a half or under that is going to make the, that we are going to predict to make the playoffs uh, and a team with a win total of 10 or over that we predict is going to miss the playoffs. So uh, we all have a couple of teams. Um, so let's, let's start with the, with the under the teams that may be surprising. So this is a team with a win total of seven and a half or under uh, for the tracking sports book is what we're using. Um, so uh, who wants to start with their first team? I guess I'll start, I guess. Um, I, I had a couple options here and they're, you know, looking at the uh, teams that were available, there's about what, 11 teams, I think that fit that criteria. Um, I, I really had two in mind. Um, so I'll, I'll pick the one that, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure you, I, I doubt you guys will pick and then maybe you'll take the other one, but I'm taking Jacksonville um, kind of off the board a little bit. So, um, and what I really was looking for is a team that, um, had some kind of unlucky stats last year, um, could, could be due for positive regression, uh, but then also, you know, has kind of an influx in talent. And we saw that obviously. So let's start with the talent. We know that um, Trevor Lawrence is now uh, <laughs> number one pick. Um, is, it feels like he's been destined to be the number one pick for three years. Um, he's probably the most heralded uh, top pick since Andrew Luck at quarterback. And, um, you know, when you look at Andrew Luck and you look at other quarterbacks uh, who've been selected number one um, in, in since 2000, there's been 10 of them. Right. And um, well, there's been 10 who have started at least 10 games in their rookie season. The average win percentage for those rookies in those 
um, seasons has been 39%. So um, even in a 17 game season, you're talking about close to seven wins at 39%. So, you know, that alone, um, you know, bodes pretty well for a guy like Lawrence, you know, Andrew Luck took a team that was two and 14, a cold team and, and took them to an 11 and five campaign the next year. And it w- really wasn't a ton of other roster moves. So I think from that perspective, Lawrence, if he's, you know, as good as, you know, some expect him to be that alone could, could bump up this uh, win total uh, closer to, uh, you know, eight, nine wins um, outside of anything else. Then you add the fact that, you know, whatever you think of Urban Meyer as a long-term coach, um, you know, he is well-respected in the league. I mean, look, I'm an Ohio State guy, so I do have a soft spot for him, but the guy is a great motivator. And, you know, typically these college coaches that come into the league, uh, they have this kind of one year, the first year bump. Um, if you look at the last seven coaches that have made the jump from college to the pros. And we're talking about some, you know, there's some bad core, uh, bad coaches in there, like Greg Schiano, for example. Um, all of them have um, at least maintained the same win total the prior year, but most have um, won more the next season. On average, they've won four more games um, the next season. And three of the seven, co- uh, three of the seven teams actually made the playoffs in their first season. Uh, so we're talking about some really big bump ups. We saw Chip Kelly do it. Um, Jim Harbaugh, like there's, there's a couple of uh, coaches that really have, have had great success uh, right away. So, you know, like I said, I'm not sure that Urban Meyer is going to be the long-term answer there, but from that perspective, I think you get a bump up along with, you know, the Trevor Lawrence factor. I like that they added Marvin Jones, you know, a good veteran receiver catches the deep ball. Well, Travis ATN, whatever you think of that draft pick. I mean, he is an explosive running back who could really uh, flourish in the passing game. So I think their offense will be okay. You look at some of the, uh, as I mentioned, some of the luck stats, you know, they're one in six and one score games last year. It's a 14% win percentage in those close games. Um, since 2016, there've been 12 teams who have finished with a one score uh, win percentage of 20% or below the next season, those teams won an aggregate 41% of their close games. So, I mean, it's, it's, you expect that number to regress, regress closer to kind of a, um, a 50% territory. Um, and then because of the close game losses, um, you know, based on point differential, the Jags really should have won um, a handful more games. I mean, they had the second um, lowest Pythagorean win expectation versus actual wins uh, in the NFL at minus 2.7. So they really should have been about three, four win team. Not like that's a great um, uh, record, but they, they definitely underperformed by a good, by a good amount. They also have a, uh, the eighth easiest schedule when you look at win totals. So, you know, they were, they were poor in, in fumble recovery rate. They're 24th in the NFL. So just a bunch of kind of tough luck, you know, bad bounces, um, can go their way this year, along with the influx of talent and Urban Meyer. And just the fact that their division, it's probably outside of the NFC East, the worst right. division in football. And I think that the Colts uh, and the Titans are a little bit overvalued personally, and we know how bad Houston is. So I think you, you put that all together. And uh, I think if Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, like this easily could be a, a eight to nine win team. And, you know, with a bad, with, with a tough uh, or with an easy um, uh, division, you could win the division in nine games. So uh, I, I'm taking the Jags here. I'm, I'm guessing you guys did not take them. So uh, I'm curious to see uh, if you guys have any thoughts on that. And, and you know, is there any, anything I'm missing here from a Jab, Jags perspective? <laughs> Well, a, a couple things. My my interns did not prepare me with as much information in my answer when we get there. Uh, hey, well, also, remember, I did the win total section for the book, so I had all this true. laid out. Uh, also, if you are playing the Sharp Angles drinking game, you already drank with TA bringing up Pythagorean uh, theorem. Uh, so, you, you know, you've already had a drink already. Uh, but the Jaguars, man, are fascinating to me uh, because it, they're, it's like – 
you look at the talent that they brought in and, you know, if you have Herb coming in and, you know, Herb is a guy that runs like that spread power football. It's a unique system. Uh, they're going to use Trevor Lawrence, the running game, obviously bringing in, you know, Etienne with James Robinson and having, you know, LaVisca Shark and bringing in Marvin Jones. Uh, there's a lot to like be excited about and intrigued by the Jaguars. And then you have this just orbiting Urban Meyer factor of like, he's operating with like kind of a, almost like seismic big Steve Spurrier energy right now too, you know, bringing in Tebow. I wait every day for them to bring Percy Harvin in. Like I'm just waiting for Percy Harvin to sign at the Jaguars. Uh, but they're going to be an exciting team to watch for, for hooker crook. Like, they're not going to be boring. Like it's not going to be a middle of the road. Uh, and I'm excited to see like what the Jaguars bring uh, to the field this year. And you talk about the division. I mean, there's definitely an opportunity, especially with the defenses in that division, uh, for them to have success. If the, if they do catch people by surprise by the system and, you know, and, and the offensive talent they have. So I don't hate that. I looked at them. You brought up there, there was 11 teams we could pick from. And I looked at the Jaguars uh, as well. I'll let Dan get throwing his two cents on the Jaguars before we get to the other ones. But uh, I like that pick. Yeah, I mean, is there a more early July phrase than I find the Jaguars fascinating? <laughs> I do. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't blame you. That feels like something I would also say. Like, I would say in like November on this podcast, and everyone be like, "All right, no, we're we're moving on." Um, but yeah, so like Ta said, this would if I was I was thinking about the Jaguars, obviously, but that was more of a bet on the division than the Jaguars themselves, right? They're a team that falls into what we were able to pick for here. And they clearly have the worst division of, of teams around them. I, I don't think we project really any of those other teams to, to be very good. We kind of talked about the Titans a little bit after the Julio Jones trade, um, you know, that helped them there, but there's still a lot of concerns there. Uh, I'm going to assume we're going to talk about the Colts later. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and Houston, uh, I mean, the one thing that would bring me down on, on Jacksonville, uh, even if the offense does go well, is this defense is just not good. Um, but like you said, with a bunch of those other teams in the division, I mean, when you look at, you know, some of their swings they've taken, you know, it, with, with high picks uh, for this defense, Josh Allen hasn't completely panned out. Um, uh, Chase on uh, also last year, just that, that edge rush duo was not on the field together a lot. Also just uh, wasn't great. Um, when they took uh, CJ Henderson, which just a guy who runs really fast and can't really cover. That was the case in college. That was the case last year when he was on the field. Um, so you kind of hope, you know, having Shaq Griffin there would, you know, have uh, make everything a, a little easier on, um, on Henderson as he goes to maybe the, the number two corner, uh, but there's still a, a lot of work to be done there, but obviously I'm not going to really nitpick it's a team that's already going to, you know, only has a seven and a half win, but yeah, so right, that would be my, my right. That would be <laughs> my main concern here. But like I said, it's, you know, that division, I, I think probably the, as good of odds as any uh, that we're going to talk about. Um, Rich, uh, do you want to go with uh, your team? Sure, man. I promise I'm not doing this for effect, but uh, I look at these 11 teams uh, and I'm looking at the rosters of all these teams. And honestly, the best objective roster, I think, is the New York Giants. Oh, uh, no. I, I know. I promise I'm not doing this to, to goat you. But, I mean, I think that when you look at, like, Carolina, uh, I think there was a case for Carolina to be made. And, like, that was my other team, by the you, way. You, Carolina was the one team I was looking at to make a case for. But I just look at the Giants. I mean, I look at this the, – the pieces that – 
that tend to over-succeed. And you look at the, the overall encompassing talent around this roster, I mean, really the, the, the biggest question mark is going to be a quarterback play. But the defense is look, looks objectively by far the best of these 11 teams. I mean, the defensive line uh, alone is, is way by far the best of these teams. You know, the interior defensive line is good. If they get anything out of Ojolari, uh, you know, the, as, as a pass rusher, I mean, they're really going to take off. We as a group, you know, not to spoil anything in the book, but we ranked all the units. Uh, we had their secondary as a top 10 secondary as well. So, I mean, outside of their linebacker play, I mean, this is really a good defense. They only allowed 30 or more points in two games last year. Uh, so, I mean, if they, if they can just kind of stay at the par on defense, they could probably win more games. I mean, people forget too, like Washington's ahead of them. They, they've beat like, they, they've beat, they've owned Washington. They, they beat them both times last year. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera is, is, uh, has not won a game against Joe Judge. Uh, so that hasn't happened yet. And then the Giants are a team that, on, from an offensive sense, Dan's been editing all my offensive top-down team articles. The Giants are a team that scream offensive regression to the mean. I mean, they were so bad last year <laughs> offensively. I mean, they scored, on, they scored a touchdown in fewer than 20% of their drives. Over the previous decade, 75% of those teams come back and increase their touchdown rate by an average of 6% per drive. No team scored fewer offensive touchdowns than expected by offensive yardage gained than the New York Giants, even worse than the Jets <laughs> last year. Um, and then when you look at their pieces, they've got a lot of talent. They're getting Saquon back. They added a, a bona fide, at least clasher and deep ball threat and Kenny Galladay. Sterling Shepard's going to, was been misplaced playing outside after the random signing of Golden Tate. Now he's moving back into the slot. Uh, they don't have to lean on Darius Slayton, who's been a guy that's struggled to separate, you know, over the past two years. Uh, they don't have to force 20% of the targets on, on hooks and, and flat routes to Evan Ingram or, and you add uh, Kadarius Tony, who's kind of a wild card, a kind of a guy that can do a lot of, a lot of everything. Uh, a lot contingent on Daniel Jones, but you know, a lot of people wouldn't have said the bills would have made the jump that they did last year as well. I don't think we'll see a similar jump from Daniel Jones and the giants making a bills S jump, but I do believe that they have the, the pieces put in place to over exceed expectations right now. And I look at these 11 rosters, I think top down, they have the most overall talent uh, among these teams. TA, you're muted. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I'll, I'll step in here with, with the Giants talk, and then I'll let Dan uh, step in because uh, I'm sure he's got some thoughts. But um, I've, I've heard the Giants being, being thrown around as a potential um, sleeper team. A couple pushbacks. One, you know, we're still not sure Daniel Jones is any good. I know he had a bunch of drops. Um, probably not. Last year. Probably not, but okay. <laughs> but, but again, he is not. <laughs> okay. So, so that's fair, but really the biggest issue for me, like I'm a huge offensive line guy. Like you can't have that bad of a line do absolutely nothing in the off season um, with a, you know, a huge question mark at quarterback and just assume that he's going to step up. Like if you're going to, if you're going to see a step up from Daniel Jones, you should have had more protection for him. So I think not having um, uh, an improvement on the offensive line at all, I think is a huge, huge issue. And then if, it's funny. I mean, look, these are, um, projections and these aren't always hundred percent, you know, gonna, gonna play out this way. But if you look at um, who they are facing defensively from a schedule perspective, if you look at EPA uh, per drop back for using last year's stats, the giants are expected to face the number one pass defense and the number one overall defense in the NFL based on, you know, in terms of schedule. So it's not going to be easy for Daniel Jones to have that positive regression. Um, Again, considering that their offensive line is is horrible. I mean, look at their schedule. I mean, early on, they got to face Denver, who we think, you know, might have the best secondary in the NFL. You got to face Washington the next week, who's just an overall really good defense. You know, the Falcons. They own Washington. 
Joe Judge owns Washington. <laughs> That's true. Um, you got to face this. You got to face the Saints. You got to face the Rams. You got Kansas City early. Like their schedule is very, very, very difficult from an from an early season perspective. So, um, you know, if they come off flat, it'll be difficult. I, I just think that between the offensive line, the huge question marks with Daniel Jones, um, and then just the, the the schedule that they have to face from a defensive standpoint, I think it's going to be really hard uh, for them to get up there. I mean, again, the the, the 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 division isn't very good, so they can easily you know win eight nine games and maybe win the division and get there. But um, I just have major question marks there for, for on that side of the ball um, in, uh, in terms of the the offensive offensive line. Dan, that Jameis Winston video where he's out basically, and the, the, the guys are doing that strip that strip drill with Jameis, where guys are just like punching Jameis Winston. How many times does Daniel Jones drop the ball on that drill? Oh, like nine. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. So that's that's just kind of the thing. It's uh kind of a bunch of things he said. Part of the offensive line, it's not it's not just an offensive line in front of a shaky quarterback. It's an offensive line in front of a shaky quarterback who has no pocket presence at all. Um, you know he you know, is mobile. That's what people have, you know, used to say. And we know there were some of those, you know, long read option uh, type of plays where he was able to, you know, rip off some big plays, but when there's blindside pressure, he has no idea it's coming. And that's where a lot of those trip sacks come from. And that's what has been the issue. Um, It's so much of, you know, when they did fix that last year, it was a lot of short jobs. It was a lot of quick game. Um, but that was just uh, getting the ball out quickly to a lot of guys who weren't really running after the catch uh, that well. And another part of what is going to be with all of this is Jason Garrett is still running this offense. Um, So the expected production you might think from adding a guy like, you know, Kenny Galladay, uh, I don't know, is Jason Garrett going to be able to to figure that out? Uh, I don't think we've had a lot of proof to say that he really knows what a modern offense should look like. Uh, The route concepts and and the spacing on offense last year was absolutely terrible. Uh, I don't think Garrett's going to be at this stage of his career is going to be a type of self-reflection and self-scouting guy to say, I need to change everything I've done uh, up to this point. So that that's part of my concern. Um, You know, and uh, I've, Oh, man, forget who I was listening to uh, the other day. They were, they were, someone was talking about, you know, Daniel Jones deep ball and how he's been, you know, a, a fairly good deep passer. I wrote about this, his rookie year, he was pretty accurate, but he was putting balls in places where they just, they weren't going to be caught very well. So they were kind of, they were on target, but not really catchable. He was throwing it to places where he was letting safeties, you know, get into, uh, get back into the play. Uh, he was throwing work these, receivers were still, you know, fairly covered last year. He really only threw when these guys were wide open. So we had one of the lowest rates of throwing deep uh, in the league. Now with Kenny Galladay back um, those, you know, close window throws are probably going to uh, increase again, but Daniel Jones isn't the type of guy who has the arm to really be pushing those type of balls. So I think it's going to be real hit or miss uh, with some of those plays. There's going to be some spectacular Kenny Galladay catches down the field, and there's going to be some really bad throws uh, that are probably going to be closer to intercepted than they are going to be to, uh, you know, really nice throws down the field. So I think there's, you know, a back and forth there, Um, you know, and when we look at this defense, you know, they did a lot of cool things last year, but it wasn't particularly good, actually. 
Um, when you look at what they were giving up, they were 18th in yards per drive, 15th in points per drive. They allowed the third most plays per drive. They were just 22nd enforcing three and outs per drive. Um, so I know we kind of talked about, you know, Patrick Graham came over from Miami. Before last year, we talked about how Miami was kind of this defense who did a lot of cool things. They didn't really, you know, have all the talent. And then they got it and they put together. But last year with the Giants, like, they, they, last year was the year the Giants added the talent. They brought in James Barry. They brought in, you know, Blake Martinez. They had, you know, some of these guys. I don't think the guys they brought in this year for that defense, like Adoree Jackson has not been good since really his rookie season in coverage. So uh, he's going to be a bit of a step up from the other guys they were throwing out at the second corner. But I'm not sure that adds, you know, really all that much. Are they going to play three safeties as much as they did? Uh, they're doing some cool things with with their tight front, but th- this wasn't really a defense that, you know, we looked at them as a super talented unit and doing some cool things, but it, it wasn't really all that great. They were where they were great was in the red zone. They were second in touchdowns allowed uh, per red zone trip. They were second in points allowed per red zone trip. I don't think they're going to be that good again. So if that regresses and the other things don't improve as much, I think that that's going to be tough. So I just don't really, I'm just not totally sure. I have a quick Joe judge take that if uh, it goes completely off the rails, we can just edit it out because uh, I've, I've seen a lot of things, you know, I'm talking about, it out. okay, let's, let's leave it <laughs> in. It's a very half baked take. I'm going to bring that in. But when you look at what the giants were last year, if Jason Garrett is the head coach and a more modern play caller was the offensive coordinator, are the giants any better or worse than they were last year? Right. Last so Jason, so, yeah, with this so, roster, n- No, with what they were last year, if Jason Garrett was the head coach, but there was a more modern offensive play caller, are they a better team? I kind of think they are. Maybe. And so if if you're talking about the benefit of uh, play callers more important than actual head coach. I kind of think think it is. The offensive talent they had last year was such a hindrance still. But it was also like they used it so terribly. Well, yeah, they use bad players poorly. I mean, the, the, a lot of NFL coaches have done that. A lot of a lot of NFL coaches. I would say that there's very few NFL coaches and, and play callers I would put on in a on one hand that actually elevate bad players instead of the inversely just. But the players, good players were that good. bad, right? Yeah, they, they, had, a, they, they had a better rushing game. When Saquon game. got hurt, they used Alfred Morris, Devontae Freeman, and Wayne Gallman. They gave 20% of their targets to Evan Ingram. They had Sterling Shepard playing. But part of that he is running smooth. Evan Ingram on four-yard drags every <laughs> every year. Now, like, I, I just wrote about this for the site where, um, you know, he had a lot of drops, but he was targeted in the area where drops happen all the time because they're thrown quickly with defenders on top of guys. Um, so I think a, a more well-coordinated offense could have spread the ball out a little more. They would have scored touchdowns uh, at a slightly higher rate. Uh, we're talking about the Giants way too much. That was very uh, – <laughs> That was me. I, did, I, I planted the seed. I wanted so, to plant that So seed. this kind of goes into uh, where I was going to go uh, with this. It's a similar thing. Uh, but my team's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I know this is going to be probably completely out of left field. No one considered this, uh, but I mean, it's the same thing as the giants, really. This is a bad division where I think probably any team could potentially win. Um, And I think just, there was so much disaster around the Eagles last year where this was like the worst of the worst case scenario. Um, You know, Carson Wentz was like openly rebelling against the offense. The offense was openly rebelling against Carson Wentz. Um, 
it, it just literally anything that could have gone wrong. Uh, every offensive line starter uh, got hurt. Uh, you know, this was a team that we thought had depth going into the year. Uh, and then that depth before the year already got hit. And then even throughout the season uh, got hit even more. So they, the offensive line should be better. You know, Jalen Hurts showed some good Wait, things. Not even the offensive line should be better. They led the NFL in adjusted games loss. If you look at the right. football yeah. outsiders. Yeah, they, I mean, they the got le- destroyed on off. On, on, yeah, they know. had the least uh, offensive line continuity uh, of any team. Uh in the league last year. Um, so when you put that, I think Jalen Hurts now is going to have a full offseason. He's going to be the starter. He did some good things, I think, uh, when he was, um, you know, there, there were still some concerns, right? But when you look at what he did compared to Carson Wentz, he was like twice as good as Wentz was. Um, from that. So I think they've, they've added some things. I think Devonte Smith is going to be a good for that offense. I think it's just going to, everything's going to be on the same page a little more than it did. And this defense, there's talent here. Uh, so I kind of talked about the giants the defense, but the Eagles last year were somehow seventh in yards per drive. They were 14th in points per drive. Um, they were eighth in forcing punts per drive and they were fourth best in three and outs per drive. So there was some talent there um, that really got, uh, hindered by where they were starting their field position. They were 28th in the starting line of scrimmage uh, per drive. And that was, you know, a lot of turnovers. That's what's going to happen when you're throwing a lot of interceptions, a lot of fumbles. Uh, it puts a defense in, in a bad spot. So uh, I think there's enough talent here. That front four is still really good. Uh, they added Milton Williams, who I think uh, is going to be a, a fun player in that defensive rotation. Uh, when you have still uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave in the middle, they, they can, I think they'll probably blitz a little more too. Jim Schwartz was just, I'm um, going to rush forward and that's it. I think they're going to be, you know, a little more uh, modern with how they're doing a little bit. I think the coverage is going to uh, improve a little bit. So there, there's some pieces here. And I think if, if Jalen Hurts can just, you know, we've seen what kind of rushing quarterbacks can do. I think he has the potential to do that in this division that could potentially be bad again. I'm just going to uh, throw it out there and say the Eagles are probably going to be better than we think. I mean, I don't absolutely hate it. Like you made a lot of good points. Um, look, I know the the Eagles uh, defense pretty well. And I think that, you know, like the front four, they generated the second highest pressure rate in the NFL. Like the secondary is an absolute mess. I know that for a fact that they're trying to improve and I'm not sure they can um, personnel wise. So that's obviously going to be an issue, but um, I mean, make a lot of good points. It just really comes down to your true feelings on Jalen hurts. Like, is he a legit NFL quarterback who can win games or is he just a guy who could, you know, make some plays out of the pocket and, uh, you kind of hope for, uh, you know, hope for just enough to win games. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, the offensive line completely decimated. Like I went through it in the in the book, like the number of games lost from you know a, you know, a strength like Andre Dillard. It was Brooks, uh, you know, Brandon Brooks, and these are not. I mean, these are you know, Brandon Brooks maybe the best guard in the NFL. Uh, Lane Johnson, Isaac Siumulu, uh, Jason Peters. They they missed fifty six games as a core, like it's just, it, it's impossible to um, overcome that in the NFL uh, when you have so much change in the offensive line. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, there are points. I mean, it's just a matter of like, are they even going to try and win? I mean, I, they're not, obviously the players are not going to tank, but, you know, it feels like uh, the front office is at least, you know, making this a, this is a, 
kind of a bridge year or two. Yeah. So here's the thing. So I, I did, I wrote this chapter for the football outsiders almanac uh, coming out for 2021. So I spent a, a bunch of time with the Eagles. This like you, we kind of think that way. Cause they did, you know, we think of that, you know, fourth quarter of the week 17 game. Uh, we think of the, the, the trade back that they did with, um, with Miami where they kind of did this rebuild on the fly, but this is really a roster that's going to rebuild. This is still a fairly old roster, especially the offensive line, especially on the defense. So this isn't really, uh, you know, a, a young uh, team where they just brought in guys who they're just trying out. This is still kind of built to win now. It's just really the quarterback and some of the front office um, thinking is where they've been pushing to that rebuild on the fly. But where most of this roster is, is still veteran talent that can hang in games if the quarterback play is good. I guess the question will be, and I haven't looked at their, their salary cap. I mean, do they look ahead and maybe cut some of those veterans in the offseason thinking, all right, like this is kind of rebuilding year. Let's get some of these guys off the books um, for, you know, in advance of next year and get some of the younger guys in there. Or are they actually going to keep everybody and try and, you know, win seven games, eight games? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think that front office is really, really sharp. So um, I think they're pretty bright. So I think they would think, you know, kind of the opposite that like, we're not trying to win. So if there's ways yeah, to so get out I, of some of these contracts or maybe trade some guys, like, maybe they trade Fletcher Cox. I don't know, but you know, I'm not even sure that's possible, but um, I wonder if that's, that's part of the thinking as well. It could be, I think the, the Zach Ertz uh, thing is a, is a shoe that has not dropped yet. I, I would probably expect that He's gonna to get cut. eventually. Yeah. I uh, cut or traded. So that's going to, you know, uh, open up a little bit of money. So I also, you know, I wrote this in the chapter, they, they were kind of, you know, doing that the half and half too. They, they were close to the cap already. And you know, the Carson Wentz dead money um, really killed their cap this year. Uh, but then they, you know, they're one of the NFL teams that have been doing, you know, the void years. They were one of the first guys uh, in there, like uh, Anthony Harris, they only signed him to a one-year deal, but it's a four-year void uh, afterwards. So he's going to cost more on the 2022 cap uh, than he is this year, only on a one-year contract. Um, so they have stuff like that. The Darius Slay uh, signing uh, that they had, uh, he's, you know, uh, fairly affordable for these next two years and then makes like $20 million next year. So if they're going to rework that again, that's going to be pushing money in the back. So they, they have some, you know, there's some places where they can open up money, but they, they still are this, you know, kind of roster that they thought this was going to be their window, uh, you know, with Wentz before last year. And that's where most of this roster was set up. So I think at least for this year, they still have a lot of pieces in place. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. Like, I think there's, again, enough talent. Look, that team was expected to win the division last year preseason. So outside of Wentz, you know, the talent's still the same. Like, there really isn't a ton of difference um, as long as they're not going to get rid of any of those veterans. You know, who, who else is off the roster besides Wentz um, that we expected to contribute last year? I mean, there really isn't anything that I can think of. Um, so uh, I, I don't absolutely – I mean, I don't totally hate it. Yeah, I mean, the two uh, previous teams that broke out – and they weren't. They were in a little better spot than the Eagles were, but you know the teams that overexceeded expectations and quarterback played overexceeded expectations look a lot like Jalen Hurts. You know Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. You know those the, those two players objectively looked a lot like from passing stance and from an athletic stance a lot like Jalen Hurts in his rookie year. I mean Jalen Hurts' per game output looks a lot like Lamar Jackson's rookie season 
per game output over the back half of the season. Just can he make that jump? Uh, I, I mean, can they reel him in? I think that this, what you're looking for the staff to do is reel Jalen Hurts in, not take as many deep, deep shots and inefficient yeah, throws. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a big help. Yes, that's going to be a big thing that they have to do is him taking less inefficient throws. Because that's what his game was when he played those last four games. He was just willing to push it downfield and turn, you know, a lot of inefficient throws, a lot of drives getting, getting off the field and then to, to the turnover factor. So can he make that jump? Uh, is going to be a big deal. The Eagles are kind of our best of both worlds. Like Dan said, they've got an older roster that can compete, and they also have insulation with all the future picks uh, down the line to say if it doesn't work out this year, they can completely blow it up. Uh, so I don't hate that at all. I mean, listen, all these teams that we talked about, we went in the weeds on them quite a bit. Uh, they're down here for a reason. Like, it's easy to poke holes, and there's a reason why we chose this seven-and-a-half win total because uh, there's a reason they're down there. We're making a case for uh, teams that are objectively supposed to not be good. So, so no one's gonna make the no one's gonna make the the Davis Mills argument then. I mean, he's gonna play. No, I know Davis Mills is gonna play. That's all I know. Oh man! All right. So uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, to the other side of this. So these are uh, teams with a win total of ten or over that we uh, are going to uh, choose to miss the playoffs. Uh, so uh, TA, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, and I have a feeling that uh, I'm not going to be the only one who takes this team, but we'll see. Uh, I, I'm going to fade the Colts, um, and I just I just don't believe in anything um, that they're doing on offense. I mean, I love the coach. I hate it because I love the coaching staff, and I love the front office. They're, they're one of my favorite combos in the entire NFL, but I'm just not um, a Carson Wentz believer. Like, could he be average? Sure, but, like, he's. I just don't see any reason why he's going to return to form. And I think, you know, one – area that, that, you know, the general public, um, you know, you, you remember Carson Wentz in what 2017 when he had kind yeah. of that MVP level season, but if you dig in, I know Dan, you have, um, you know, he's number one. In, show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was number one in the NFL and EPA per drop back on third and fourth downs. Like he just, he is, it was such an outlier performance um, in those positions that in I mean, the he made, season. Yeah, he made, oh yeah, he made play after play after play. It was pretty spectacular. You got to give him credit for that, but that was a complete outlier. He was 23rd in the NFL among quarterbacks on early downs in that season. Um, And then if you look, you know, in his entire career, he's only finished in the top half of the NFL in EPA per drop back, uh, per drop back um, on early downs once. And that was third, he was 13th. He like, he's, he's been a mediocre or worse quarterback on early downs. And outside of that one outlier on third downs in 2017, he's, he, he's been very, very mediocre. He's led the NFL in fumbles since 2016. Um, I've tried to look because he had, you know, he obviously had great, um, if you, if you look at QB rating and whatever you think of that, but, um, he had a hundred plus early in his career in that 2017 season. And then he had a, a sub 75 last year. Um, guys who have fit that criteria in their twenties, um, and ended up becoming like a good quarterback. Like I couldn't find any, I mean, Nick Foles is the only other comparison. Like you've seen guys like Rich Gannon, who was awful early in his career and then posted big numbers when he's in his thirties, guys like Vinny Testaverde, like those types of players, like can, can do the opposite, but you don't find guys who are just, you know, have that outlier season on the upside and downside and then end up coming back. Like it just doesn't happen. So, you know, from that perspective, I don't really trust them. I don't trust this offensive line. I don't think they did a good job, you know, for a very sharp front office. You know, you got the surprise retirement essentially of uh, Anthony Costanzo on the left side. He's been a top 21 pass blocking uh, graded tackle by PFF every season since 2014. So he's been, you know, very, very consistent on that end. 
what they what do they do? They don't do anything in the draft, but they sign Eric Fisher, who's coming off a torn Achilles, who may not even play till October. And even then, like even when he's fully healthy, he's just been okay um, as a pass blocking tackle. Like he's just been fine. Like he hasn't been you know elite by any measure. So you've got a guy who's kind of you know average to above average in in that respect. And he's coming off of a torn Achilles. So he's going to really struggle. And, you know, look at early in the year when, you know, they're, they're going to have that big hole in left tackle. I mean, their schedule is absolutely brutal. It's the toughest schedule in the NFL um, uh, early in the season. They got to play Seattle and then the Rams, Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, you know, Houston, they get a break there, San Francisco, Tennessee. So essentially, you know, in your first eight games, you're facing seven teams that have a win total of at least not uh, of at least nine. And six of those eight teams are expected to make the playoffs. They're actually favored to make the playoffs. So what happens if you go three and five or two and six to start um, and that looming uh, trade compensation uh, with Carson Wentz in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, no, as a number of play, I don't know if it's percentage of plays or what it is, but it's not um, what yeah. it, yeah, percentage of snaps, if you reach a certain threshold, you know, they got to give up a number one pick next year um, to the Eagles. You know, why would you even take that chance if you're – Yeah, and it's it's got to be. And if not, it's a disaster. It's 75% of the snaps or 70% and they make the playoffs. Yeah, and they make playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, so then they're going to essentially tank the season if they don't – they don't go at least – I don't know, three and five, four and four, they're going to tank the season at that point. Right. Like, or at least go, go with a backup quarterback. So I just think that that, that really is, is tough. And so I think that, uh, you know, and last year they had the easiest schedule in the NFL. Like I, I love the Colts last year. I, I took them in our win total pick. I think uh, it was like third or fourth just because of that schedule. And I, I really respect Philip Rivers, but like, you know, it's not going to be as easy this year. Um, and again, you start off pretty difficult. So I just think that, you know, 10 plus wins is really tough for them and to make the playoffs. I just don't, ex- you know, the only thing keeping them alive is really the the division. But I, you know, if I think right. the Jags are going to be better, uh, I just don't, I don't buy this um, from that perspective. And so um, I, this is a team that I just don't have confidence in right now, mainly because of quarterback and just, you know, all that's going on with the offensive line. Yeah, they were mine too. I mean, it seemed like the most obvious one. I mean, last year they were they basically lost to every good team they played. They were two and four against winning teams, two and five if you count the playoff game against the Bills. The win was a home game against the Packers in overtime, and they beat the they beat the Titans. Um, and then the, just the biggest question is, yeah, we're expecting Wentz to even just match what a thirty nine year old Philip Rivers did, and I think that that's a, a question. Philip Rivers was really, good last yeah. year. Like, but we're I mean, completely yeah. <laughs> underrating how good Philip Rivers was last year. Yeah, and then you talk about the, the offensive line move. And, like, Carson Wentz has never been, like, a quick time-to-throw guy, and, and Philip Rivers has. And Philip Rivers has been third, third, and second the past three years. Wentz is career's been 34th, 15th, 18th, 30th, and 25th. He's going to hold the ball. That's what leads to some of those turnovers, like T.A. alluded to. Um, but, I, I mean, they're just an easy team to look at. And you look, when you factor in the schedule, outside of the division games, it's – yeah, it's a team that's probably a little uh, overrated uh, based on where they finished last year. And you look at – you mentioned that, I mean, with Phillip Rivers, like, you know, he did a great job of protecting the football last year. They were number one in the NFL in terms of, you know, um, least amount of EPA lost due to turnovers um, on offense. They are actually number two in terms of the most EPA gained per play on, on turnovers. So they really benefited from that. And, you know, it's something that you just probably won't expect again, especially on defense. You know, you turn a bunch of turnovers into to big plays like that. You just can't expect that. And it's not like the, the Colts are you know, solid on defense, but they're not ultra talented. So it's hard to expect them to really re- repeat that again. So um, just to add that, and no, no Philip R- Rivers slandering on this, this podcast, no, no. that's for sure. He's one of my but, I mean, this, this offense, 
what we we've kind of hinted in their offseason dan and i I think in the last podcast we we talked about their offseason was so weird and the the, the offensive skill players here just leave so much to be desired i mean this is a team that has run through their backfield and in today's modern nfl to have your offense run through your backfield is is kind of tough to succeed uh you know long term we we've got what 32 year old ty hill in that they bring back we don't know really what we have in Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell still. Uh, the, the, the tight end position is still kind of a quagmire between Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox and they had Colin Grayson. Uh, there's just a lot to be desired here. There's not a lot of offensive talent that I think it, that even when you pair with Carson Wentz, like Philip Rivers helped those guys out, elevated those guys, and did, still didn't get a lot out of those guys. I don't think Carson Wentz is a guy that can elevate this group of skill yeah. players. Yeah, I think what I think what we've seen of Wentz, even in his best case scenario, is kind of like this the guy you can you know win with. Uh, right? Like you said, he's he's not a guy that is going to elevate. So this is just this is a clean sweep uh, between the, the the three of us. It's, I mean, I don't know how there was anywhere else to go besides the Colts here. How these win totals have. Um, you know, looked at the Colts is just, uh, is you know, baffling to me, which I mean, I don't know, maybe means they're right. I, I don't know, but for them to be uh, projected as, you know, one of the, uh, what am I looking at? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams to be, have a win total of, of 10 or more. Like that's, that's crazy to me, uh, even with the, the division, um, you know, there's other bad divisions too. Like the, the NFC East is bad. We're not projecting someone to, you know, have a, a yeah. <laughs> 10, uh, 10 win total uh, because the NFC East is bad. So uh, for that to do, I just, I like, yeah, I, like you said, I just, I don't understand the, the Carson Wentz thing. Um, you know, when you look at week one, they're right now two and a half point favorites at home against Seattle. Like what, no. uh, how? Um, I, I think I bet that like as soon as the schedule came out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, it's just uh, how, how the, the betting market has, has looked at the Colts is kind of, um, it seems a little bit crazy to me. I mean, you guys made all the points. I don't see how you know the, the quarterback really works. If we're going, we're basically knocking Philadelphia, who has a six and a half win total because of what Carson Wentz did last year, and now he's going to go to the Colts, and we're going to project the Colts to to be a ten win team. Um, I'd, I'd, how, how how does that make that any sense? Like you said, the, the defense was really helped by the scheme last year. You had you know guys like Xavier Rhodes was picking off a pass, um, you know, every game last year, right? So oh, yeah. it's just it's a lot of things that went right for the Colts last year that I just I don't think are going to repeat. We did a fantasy that, podcast on the Colts defense. That's right. They were <laughs> they were so good at creating turnovers earlier in the year. It was that, the first uh, month yeah. of the season, their schedule yep. was such a joke, and they were like the number one fantasy defense through like five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So let's wait, wait. So now I'm looking at the list, and I, and I didn't even you know that was just because I've always uh, I just have thought all off season that they, that they, I wanted to fade them. So I'm like looking at the rest of the list. So let's say we had a gun, I had to put a gun to everyone's head, and you have to pick one other one between the Ravens, Bills, Browns, Chiefs, Rams, Niners, and Tampa. Who who are you taking? Like who's next on that list for you guys? The only other team I even potentially considered was the 49ers, yep. uh, just because yeah. the hype was I think a little has gone a little bit more, and the the pendulum sw- overswung a little bit. But their schedule is such a joke that it's uh, – I, I mean, plus we look at the division. I think the NFC West is so strong top to front. You would expect one of these teams to disappoint. Um, so, I mean, they were the only other team I potentially even considered, but the Colts were such a slam dunk that I <laughs> – Yeah, the thing with the Niners is the scenario that, that they don't have a good season is they have a continued injury luck, like bad luck, which – and I, I need to dig in a little bit more because I've seen some, you know, mm-hmm. typically you think, oh, you know, injuries are kind of fluky, right? 
but they just every single year seem to have <laughs> like they they always finish towards the bottom in terms of you know the biggest injuries um in terms of the, the adjusted games loss when you look at football outsiders and i know there's some some guys on, on twitter that have kind of posted that you know the rams continually have you know no injuries and it's like why if it's like kind of we assume it's it's you know pretty much luck you know uh, in terms of injuries you know eventually you should regress towards um the median and you just don't see it from either of those teams so is there something going on with their training staffs so what you would see is you'd have to have a lot of injuries again for the niners which has been po- you know it's possible because it's happened every year and you'd have to have you know essentially um trey lance be forced in the lineup and him not be good right like something happens to garoppolo trey lance comes in he's a rookie who's barely played he hasn't played division you know high level uh, division uh, one football and um, doesn't know what he's doing. And they just, you know, they end up really struggling. And that that's really the scenario I think for them, because otherwise, like you said, they got tons of talent. They get all those defenders back, including Bosa. And I mean, they were in the Super guys. Bowl two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And they were in the Super Bowl two years. You got a you top 10 quarter uh, head coach and Kyle Shanahan. You got the tons of weapons on offense. You get George Kittle back like that. They should be really, really good. But really the scenario is just, tons of injuries again and Trey Lance is just not ready at all and they just fall on their you know, flat on their face um, but yeah, yeah I think their the secondary has potential to be really bad uh, a lot yeah. worse than people I think their secondary is as a cha- but their defensive line could compensate the front seven could compensate but the secondary has potential to be bad and their offensive line is anchored by really really old dudes right (laughs) really really old dudes as good as trent williams is uh he is he's on that line man like it could go any it can go in a blink man yep that's probably yeah yeah i think yeah i think that's what it is like some of the secondary and i think you know without uh robert sala uh you know they're going to D'Amico Ryans as the defensive coordinator. I think last year was Robert Sala's best year as a defensive coordinator, not the year they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, what he did with the oh, defense yeah. that you know, he was he was given <laughs> last year. Uh, Every single for, week for them to still be injuries. for yeah. them to still be a really good defense last year. That was uh, an incredible coaching job. Um, so uh, I think we'll you know we'll see them. I think blitz a little more, which is uh, you know I think something Ryan's has said they want to do. So um, I'm not sure you know how that works out. But if you have a guy like Fred Warner in the of that defense mm-hmm. that, that kind of that helps you take a lot of range that you know you can use some of those other linebackers or or safeties or or whatever to to blitz a little more to create uh, some pressure maybe help out that secondary a little bit speed up the pressure there um but yeah i think that that's a big question mark but yeah like you said if if we had to go somewhere else it would probably be san francisco just because of the division because of you know the unknown at quarterback um and things like that like i and you know we're not gonna and no one wants to make a, a case for the chiefs <laughs> you know what's funny? The Chiefs actually have some really big regression. Um, figure we just we have a quarterback who's like an all-time potential all-time. Here great. we go, TA. Uh, make make this make this. Nah. So, so my so my, so my Joe Judge, uh, my Joe Judge. No, take, you know, uh, earlier I was, in the podcast, I wasn't. Look, we, I'll we say this: if they didn't improve that offensive line the way they did, I you could have made a case. Like I was looking, they had the. Um, Let's see, they finished with the sixth highest point differential last year, right? They weren't even that like elite from that perspective. There's only two other teams in NFL history at a point differential lower than the Chiefs uh, 111 and 114 or more games. Like they they led the NFL and, uh, you know, here, here comes a drink, uh, Rich. Pythagorean uh, <laughs> wins over expected at 3.3. And, but again, that still means they're 11, you know, 10 and a half to 11 win team, even if you did all that. So, um, and then and we're now, adding a game on the schedule. Yeah. And you're adding a game <laughs> to schedule. So it's like, even with all that regression, like they could still be, they could just be a, a, 
13 and four, 12 and five team, but they're still going to make the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. So um, this this is interesting because we kind of you know we talked about this a little bit you know during the year. They were a team that didn't really turn it on until fourth quarters of games, uh, you know, because of oh, how, yeah. how often teams were playing those, those two high looks uh, against them. They weren't throwing deep as often as they did before. So they weren't really taking those shots. They weren't really often, um, you know, putting up those huge, like first half numbers that they did in the, you know, the earlier years of Mahomes. they were fine dinking and dunking. We'll throw to Travis Kelsey and pick up, you know, eight yards a pop. That's fine. We know we can work the way down the field. So they were much slower paced there. They might do that uh, again this year where they're a little more power oriented uh, in that offensive line and, and the run game um, where they're going to be doing, you know, so, some cooler things like do a, a little more, you know, uh, versatile in that run game. So they, they might be leaning on that a little more if teams are going to try to, you know, run those too high and prevent the deep pass uh, against them again. They just, they weren't, they were a team smart enough to know they didn't need to press uh, against that type of stuff. I think that's like when you look at a team like Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson was still trying to press the ball down the field when he was seeing those two high looks. Uh, the Chiefs were just counter. like, we, we, we know we know we can just dink and dunk down the field and we're going to be able to score when we need to. So they did that very often. That's why a lot of those games were closer uh, than they were. I think we, we talked about that almost every, every oh, week every last week, year man. when we, when we brought week. up the chiefs. Yeah. So uh, I think that's, that's part of it. You know, if they do that again, maybe they're, you know, the point differential isn't as high as like, we know what the chiefs can be. Uh, but yeah, I, I even if they regress, uh, obviously they're, they're still making the playoffs. They're not going to regress out of the playoffs as long as Patrick Mahomes is starting a majority of the games. That's I think that's the key, right? Yeah, that, that combo of Wentz and Reed. I mean, Reed is such just a good counter puncher. Like the you know just the the force that he had last year when teams were playing that two all those two high looks, and then not only did they just were willing to just bleed you with Kelsey. They moved Tyreek around more than they did in years past. They were like, because yep. the, the wide receiver depth was a little bit exposed. And they really didn't do anything to, to improve that this year. They tried it with a couple of guys. They tried to even get T.Y. Hilton and Juju, but they didn't really pursue any of the draft. Obviously, when they trade that draft pick to get Orlando Brown, kind of took him out of the running to get like a tangible asset. But they moved Tyreek in the slot and gave him short looks. His ADOT as the season progressed, I mean, a Bucks game stands out. He got those deep, deep balls. But his ADOT shrunk. They were just getting him near the line of scrimmage looks. And they were like, if you want to do this, if you want to play us over the top, we will completely counterpunch. And even before Clyde edwards alaire got hurt in midseason, there was games where they leaned on him, you know, the Buffalo game and the early game against Houston. They said, well, we will do what you want us to do. If you really want us to do that, we'll acquiesce and we'll just bleed you. Um, yeah, I mean, having Andy Reid paired with Mahomes, though, it's, we, can't, we can't fade him. <laughs> well, two, two stats, okay? When I was doing these win totals, uh, research, it was, just blew me away. First of all, the record with Mahomes as a starter for the Chiefs are 38-8. and eight. Yeah which is absurd. And Andy Reid has been a head coach uh, with the Chiefs for eight seasons. They've gone over their preseason win total in all eight seasons, which is unheard of. So it's just like, just automatic. I mean, um, I, I was blown away. I mean, I hate even bringing him up, but uh, Florio had his top 10 coaches, I think yesterday or two days ago on Twitter. He had, I think he had Andy Reid six. Um, it's yeah. absolute absurd. Like just either he's doing it for clicks or he just is completely clueless. He won't listen to his podcast. So it doesn't matter, but uh, <laughs> it, it was just absurd. The, the, the Andy Reid is clearly the, the number two uh, you know, best coach in the NFL. It's like not even an argument. So, but yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. And that's like, while we're here, just uh, shout out to Mina Kimes. I yeah. do have the Andy Reid, uh, <laughs> the Andy Reid dab watercolor shirt on. Um, Beautiful. Shout out Mina and, uh, and Homefield. Uh, it's a very comfortable shirt. It's great. 
So uh, on, on that note, uh, we are going to end that show here. Uh, remember, you can find uh, the 2021 uh, Sharp Football preview book uh, up on sharpfootballanalysis.com. That is available for pre-order. It will be out uh, soon, um, early, mid-July. Uh, you can find all of Rich's work. He's still been uh, going through uh, all these the fantasy stuff, a, a lot of a league-wide trends looking at fantasy as, as the fantasy season uh, is about to uh, get going. Drafts are going to be starting soon. We're going to be looking forward to that. Uh, so all Rich's work still up at the site. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleve TA. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.